0: You're listening to the Topco Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Business Unusual Podcast.
1: Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by
0: Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real life experience. Topco, business unusual. So, welcome to this uh, episode of Business Unusual, um, Topco's Business Unusual podcast. Today, we're joined by Wayne Zwarens. I hope I said that right, Wayne.
1: Yep, spot on.
0: <laughs> He's the CEO and founder of Basalt, formerly Blackbeard. So, um, I think it's like. The first time we've properly spoken, but we've handed out a couple of awards to you already. You've been nominated for different awards, CEO of the Year at Africa Tech Week, and uh, Tech Company of the Year at Africa Tech Week this year. So, congrats.
1: Thank you, and thank you, Ralph, for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, man. So, I know that you were here on Tuesday. And we couldn't quite uh, meet up. You obviously got a busy schedule. But where are you, where are you based at the moment? you in Joburg?
1: Uh, yeah, currently in Johannesburg, we've just, uh, amazingly in this year, which was, uh, seemed to be a challenging year, opened offices in Cape Town, um, which is quite exciting to be in and out of the Cape, um, and uh, yeah, also in London, also opened offices in the UK.
0: So, two offices in one year. So, are you going to base yourself in Cape Town, or?
1: This is, uh, yeah, I've, so, probably not Cape Town, I'm kind of the the, the side coast, the uh, kind uh. of... It's not that I came from there. It's just we spent a lot of time there. So um, we'll see. Who knows?
0: Yeah, Durban's nice, eh? Were you thinking of Shlunga or that sort uh, of way?
1: Those side is, yeah, it's where we always kind of hang out and low and regroup. group.
0: That's good stuff there. So, okay, so, I mean, it's been a crazy year for everybody, but it's been a couple of crazy years for you. Um, and, and, I mean, you... What, what do you what do you what do you think of um, the future? I mean, it's been it's been a crazy time. What are you what are your plans for twenty twenty
1: one? It's just an interesting question. I've been vacillating there for a while, and it's also what is the external factors that are going to be coming into twenty twenty one. One that we kind of maybe perceive, and others that are unexpected. Um, and I think this year got people quite fit. Um, But I don't think the race is over, and I think there's still a lot of uh, changes and challenges to come in the new year. Um, And it's how we adapt and how we approach those. Um, For us, it's really like being calm and focused, um, not being reactive and looking for the opportunities and the gaps in those. Um, And, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of panic and while energy is wasted on panic and scrambling, um, if we can just, you know, remain balanced and calm and just look where the opportunities are. You, can, you conserve a lot of physical and mental energy and aligned teams in terms of way forward and uh, looking at being lethal in a stealth way.
0: Mm. I mean, you're right. I think this was the year of reacting. Uh, yeah. I, ho- I think the whole world sort of reacted in many ways. And so now it's like almost um, re-plan or, or, you know, reset. H- how are you doing that?
1: So... Yeah, so, so I think, you know, it's, it's one is, the interesting thing is this year, we actually geared our business. So in the, in the year, that was the roughest year, we actually reinvested in our business for growth. Um, and I think looking back, it'll probably be quite interesting to see going against what the grain or the normality would be. Um, so put a really strong leadership and senior team in, um, looking at really key um, strategic initiatives for next year on growth and scalability. Um, and I think when you have a business that comes out the blocks with nothing the first, second year, you scale quite quickly and you move quite fast because it's easy to double and triple. Uh, but then you get to a point where you actually need to put the brakes on and say, well, how is this going to scale? And do you have the mechanisms and the operating systems and models to do so? Um, and I think that's what the strategy for this year was um, pre the, any challenges external. Um, and we still kept true to that. So even though while everyone and the the market was doing interesting things we kind of went low went deep and sorted out and cleaned up and geared our shop in a sense so um we achieved that and now looking forward to stretching and expanding that next year
0: and i mean obviously business models changing is really relevant right now because i think ways to market um, because of technology and you know this virtual world and things not happening yet everybody's had to reinvent their business model to a large degree or, or create a hybrid what, what, did you, what did you end up with?
1: So, so what's interesting is that the signs were way before we even, I mean, I remember watching sure, five years ago a video on TED with Eddie Erlong, his name is, and he was calling it the, the hour after midnight when everyone went to bed and at 12 o'clock and they woke up the next morning and uh, the whole world had changed at that note, but some didn't realise it and how fast and the exponential and the changes there. So, really that was resonating way before I even started this business. Um, so um, yeah. So I think it, it was all there, it's, it's just how, how does one adapt to that and also how do you disrupt your own self and your own business at the same time um, and can you put a different business model into the same business and can you run with the same team culture in a different business model expecting a different outcome. So I think that's, uh, that's been quite interesting on how we silo these and disrupt ourselves and putting up innovation as a second piece on the side of it um, which has been quite exciting.
0: And and how did you make these decisions? Because I know that, you know, these processes and methodologies are important to you. I mean, where did you go to for guidance in terms of, did you read books? Did you, is there people that you spoke to that sort of helped you through this process?
1: So, you know, a lot of of conversations, a lot of keeping fingers and pulse on the market, on movements, where clients are, what uh, kind of, what what they're looking for. I think you get a lot of knowledge and insights out of actual customers. Um, And then, you know, Last year, the disruptive innovation with the late uh, Clayton. Um, with the late Clayton, uh, so just lost. So was his last um, team. That he lost the uh, cycle that he went through, probably, um, and a lot of greater uh, understanding of this, and then applying that. You know, looking at the local market, look at the Capita Banking and their strategy and how they took to market. Um, you know, the, these things are very much awake, and in our face, and in South Africa, and Africa, we just need to." Um, to stop and look and learn from them.
0: So, I mean, it's quite interesting because I think you've got a different company culture to most organisations. Um, and listening to your submission at the awards and other stuff, um, what sort of drove that that company culture? Maybe you can explain to other people what that is.
1: Yeah, so, so I think you know, people. I think people are tired of the the corporate structure where you're just a number or a person in an organisation, and. Uh, it's really about getting the best out of individuals and what um what what put ele- what puts electricity in a person's body that they actually can achieve their best and also when doing that it's with flow so it's there's it's not draining energy it's actually creating more energy um which is is really great when that is harnessed and, and put together so i think you know that, that's really important for us also we don't waste time on any of the nonsense that maybe traditionally people companies have so while you know there's bureaucracy and politics we actually we just get we just put that aside and we just get on with what we want to do and achieve which saves a lot of time makes us a lot quicker in what we do and how we operate um and i think that that's really amazing and you know it's, it's being vulnerable from myself to the business from all the individuals and and that's lost the culture of how how we learn and grow together
0: sure. I mean, you touched on a number of things, vulnerability, but it's, it's easy to say, but hard to do, because that means you've got to talk about your mistakes. And, and so you've got to choose which mistakes you want to talk about, I suppose. Um, And, and obviously, that culture thing of, of, you know, having people create their energy and bringing it to work. I think was quite interesting. You, You talk about you're not waiting for that to happen. You're choosing people who have that.
1: Yeah, totally. And I, and I think that starts with the first conversation when someone sits down to potentially start or arrive at our, in our business or what we call the gathering. Um, I, I believe you cannot make someone more creative, more passionate, more enthusiastic. Um, th- this needs to align with the core of the beings that are meeting in the business. So if someone has a purpose, which is aligned to myself or the business, then there's synergy and you move forward quite quickly. Um, you cannot, you know, someone's I'm not enthusiastic. You, you, the business can't help them do that. You? You, know, you know what I mean? Or I'm not creative enough. But, so that, that, that's really uh, steadfast for us and, and been a great insight.
0: So it's so funny, Wayne, because I mean, you've obviously won these awards. Your company's doing really well. And I mean, we're going to talk around how you started. But a lot of what, what, when I've met really interesting and successful people, one of the things I've realized is that um, generally their successes come from some sort of failure. It hasn't come because they've had a nice easy road the whole time. It's because something hurt at some point that drove them to change something massive in their life. And it created this new person that was born on that day. And they realized who they were. What was that for you? Is that true for you?
1: So, yes. um, Lying in a hospital bed in the Donald Gordon Hospital from being burnt out and just worn out of trying to turn around an international office and, uh, just being another number as uh, an executive in that business, just trying to get it aligned and done, which was just a runaway train, um, and then saying, well, this cannot go on anymore, and that's not what and how I need to operate in my life. Um, so I took six months out of that and looked at what is the next wave and what, what's the way that all the learnings in my basket are, that I've got to that day that I could apply. Um, and then came to understand that you know technology was a, is a big driver. Technology is driving a lot of business decisions instead of business driving technology. Um, and how do we assist um, clients in the market in order to build these solutions, which is an asset, um, an asset in reality in a business now that we've come to understand. So um, that, that's kind of where we, we put, and that's where the kind of the starting point to that, to our business came. But I think also to to not take the 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 nonsense that is wasted and the, the unnecessary corporate understanding that people feel and have in their lives and uh, you know just be human and be who we are and have fun and do the great work and deliver value to our clients and actually not just say that it's actually be and do that um which is important and and that's why you know i don't mind sharing these stories with our clients and the market because um, as we say, the awards are great and the accolades are amazing, but actually that's the end, of the, that's the end road mm. and that's where you're standing on the stage. Um, the, the real story is what got you to that and the journey that one has taken through. Um, and, and I think so. We, we don't get to see a lot of those stories and uh, it's a pity and especially in some of South Africa's great entrepreneurs and business owners, it would be nice to to understand the journey and not just the you know, big massive building in Sandton and the, the business that <laughs> we're um, there's a lot more in the story to it and it will be cool to hear and see
0: those stories. Then. Yeah, so at Africa Tech Week this year, we Tim spent a lot of time with the guys at OZO. They won last year the National Business Awards. Um, and we did a 20-minute documentary about their story, the untold story. So and I think they're going to really push that through their own channels now. But that was also really interesting. And, and like Thomas and the two guys, how they met, how they created that, but I think what was also an alignment is that I know you come from sort of a media background with WPP and all their sort of channels, and Thomas also had a uh, sort of digital marketing company. And so I'm seeing a little bit of a trend here where people ha- have their finger in the pie, so to say, but also they're able to scale these businesses because they understand marketing and sales, and maybe. You know, and so I'm, I'm thinking, what, why why is yours worked so well? You're not necessarily a technologist. Your yeah,
1: I, yeah, totally. I, I think for me and for our clients is understanding what their needs are, and then clients' needs are, and how do we ship value as fast as possible, and what is that quantifiable rand dollar pound value, um, which is really important. And I think yeah, getting that right, um, and our, yeah, the word sales is is, is quite a yeah, it's it, it, it's a. It's a post, a pre-COVID maybe word. I think it's, you know, relationship building, adding value. And, you know, like how you know, it's not a sales online reselling shoes. It's really looking at, you know, revolutionizing business, business models and changing um, the space that we are in today and, and moving with that journey.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a number of things that you say you touch on. And obviously, you know, making sure you're adding value to something and measuring that is and then shipping it. It's it's sort of really key right because I think that's if you're having that honest conversation with your clients to find out what value looks like, and then how do you measure it internally and externally, but also so it's not sitting on a shelf, right, it needs to be creating, it's not great having a great product and then no one's using the thing.
1: Totally, totally, and I think that's exactly it. So you know, great strategies and there's brilliant strategies and thinking and that's probably the hardest work. But to execute and roll that out swiftly, that's the second tier of that. And I think that's where we're priding ourselves in at the moment and, and doing really well um, and building a great uh, record based on that, which we're proud of.
0: And, and you sort of touched on that. You say that it's the way that we work, the way that we have our rhythms and how the team works, its methodology. And and those sort of rhythms, are they taken from where, like scaling up? Is it taken from uh, w- w- scrum uh, Agile, where are you, you, you taking these ideas? Because most ideas are, you know, most things are created from other people's ideas and just innovated and improved, right?
1: Totally. So, so yes, read and recessed all these things. There will probably be elements and, and touch points of that that come in. And uh, um, I, I think, you know, I was sitting with, with, with our financial director and we were just having a good conversation around Running a business or a startup is a lot of it's intuitive, like math, again, math and science is, it's hard to to put it as that's the success, and if you do this, you'll get that, um, because sometimes I might make some interesting decisions which are just don't make sense to anyone, even maybe myself, but there's a gut feeling and a sixth sense, and I'm looking back. Some of them are wrong, and we learn, and then some of them are just bang on the money. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think that there's definitely a formula in how to do it and run a business, understanding the different departments, operations, finance, uh, marketing, and like being a fay to those. But uh, again, it's, you know, culture is critically, critically important. If, if people are the heart of the business, then how, and how are we driving and putting that together? Um, because absolutely, that is our brand, and those are our, our DNA. Um, and it's interesting, you know, people can copy any company and business. What they cannot copy is your team dynamics and your culture. So that's a really, really piece that we work hard on and we focus on, which is, uh, it's it's been great. And we just love the work we do and the people we work with.
0: I mean, you you seem to be very clear on certain strategic imperatives, like how you're positioning yourself in terms of like quality, you know, adding value, um, doing it on time. So I'd imagine that the people side of things, because obviously we, we shared the stage with Future of HR Awards this year as well for Africa Tech Week. And we're seeing that. We're seeing technology and people coming together, creating great things. In terms of the people side of things, do you have any principles of when you're, how you're getting this culture fit?
1: Um, I, I, I think it's just from being who we are, humane and humble, I think, and, and leading by example of that. So um, an interesting thing is I had a session yesterday with our leadership team, and the, the subject of that could, connection was like why we started or why I started the business um, and it was great to hear my story and then I started asking everyone what makes them happy um, and you know someone said solving problems and that's what they wake up and then you know you know we kind of asked further questions is, is that what your wife would that you would say to your wife and would that be something you'd go with and it gets deeper and deeper and I think getting to a space where we're having meaningful conversations to get to the root of why and how we can why we're together um You know, another individual said that what makes them happy is when everyone around them is happy and feels safe and in a good place. Um, And mine was, you know, my family. My family is why and how. So it wasn't even business related. But actually what makes me happy is when I come home and I'm proud and I'm um, proud with my family and I'm slower and not so fast and less stressed and excited to go to work. Um, So another one said, I just want to write beautiful code. I'm an artist and I run to write the most beautiful code and then another said I, you know, I, love, I love the markets and I love looking at stocks and how and the risks and hedging it. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not the master here, but I'm just going to play the orchestra and just say, you know, I'm a visionary and I have a problem. That person X, you like to solve problems. How are we going to do this? Can you help me do that? The person is going to make us safe. He's going to say, okay, well, how do we put this team together? And you're going to help us be, um, you know, make sure that we are in a safe place. Um, And you know, what? the odds are high and the person who wanted to look at the markets, well, how are we going to keep risking? Are you going to keep us honest to what that is? And there's a person that can write this and build this and build beautiful code. So um, what you bring out is the essence of everyone and what they're good at. Um, And the success rate is 100% because it's core to what everyone wants and the beings of who they are. Um, So that's a really, that's just a great example of how we do that. And then that thing goes out into the team and then the magic starts to happen.
0: For sure. So, I mean, you know, we talk about challenges and overcoming challenges. Being an entrepreneur, it's, you know, it's often said it's not for sissies. And and I'm not sure if that's trying to put other entrepreneurs off or or if it's trying to say, like, you're in for a tough time here. Um, Maybe it's a bit of both. Like, (laughs) so we all know, if you're an entrepreneur, we all know it's tough. And, And I think sometimes the hardest thing is to articulate why it's tough. Um, because we know that there's rewards, but there's not always rewards. Those rewards are generally long-term.
1: Exactly. I mean, for yeah. you, what,
0: what did you find tough about starting up a new business?
1: So it, it goes through different stages. I think at the beginning, early stages, you, you, you're doing everything. You're jumping on different hats from one role to one department, and you're playing the client-facing, you're playing the finance, you're playing the operations, and um, you're kind of juggling that. And... Uh, the trick there is to find the person that can run the speciality that you're doing, train them up as best you can, and then let them run their journey in that space, and then move on to the next and the next and the next until you get to a space where where, um, where everyone's in the right, the right people or in the right seats. Um, but then you also have that uh, kind of regret or remorse of like, oh, I want to be involved, but not, but you know, at what stage am I really? You know, so you have to learn sometimes to get out your own way, um, which is quite an interesting uh, thing as well. Um, and, something. yeah, exactly. And I think you're right. And, you know, sometimes it, 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 the, the, the challenges are just un, unfathomable how you would solve them because, you know, there can be a stage where you, you know, I remember lying in bed at three o'clock in the morning in a cold sweat, getting 10 days to pay with salaries in the <laughs> <laughs> Ten. Um, it was like one. <laughs> so that was probably the lead up to it. But, uh, <laughs> you know you don't have the cash you might have an invoice but you need hard cash and how do you get to the point um, especially strap of how do you how do you pay those people and if you don't pay them then that affects the culture people uh, people go well now the business is at risk and you can't tell that to your staff you can't tell that to your partner that you know you might have to sell your car because you have to pay for salaries because people individuals it's hard to understand these challenges and spaces and you know entrepreneurs are wired like that and it's just how we are So, yeah, you know, it's it's challenging. And then also the other thing is like, you know, one goes through a journey of researching other entrepreneurs, how do they do it, how does it work? And you can look at the elements and the things they do, but it might not resonate at a deep level of why and how. So you have to, one has to work out what their rhythm is. And, you know, like an example of that is I've got this, uh, we created this, it became a branded thing in our business, the decompression session. So, you know, you're working in a day and you're grinding and it's getting tough and that, and then you need an outlet. So you know, mines jump on the water and I paddle. So I'm sometimes in the middle of the day out paddling. And I'm gonna do that: surfing or paddling. Yep. So that's so, so My son's
0: my son. My son was a professional surfer. My 21 year old. Yeah, Amazing. so he loves surfing. And also, same thing. They say it's therapeutic.
1: Totally. And, and and what with the with the surf skiing on the on, on the actual the surf ski is, you know, it's balance and it's flow. If you think too hard, you can land in the water. If you if you're too careless, you're going to land in the water. So how do you get flow and balance in the middle of your day, um, but still get onto water and nature? And some of the best ideas or solutions for challenges have been there in the middle of the day. Um, so, yeah, so now, you know, and that's what I was saying to to some of the, the team, that, you know, when times were tough, people weren't just grounding. Um, example is one person went to gym, the other person went to for a run, and I went paddling, and then we got back into quite a, Quite a tough meeting where to solve problems but the, the the beauty of that is we were we, we were still maintaining our core and the uh, and the balance of how we run and, and manage it which is the, that that's actually so rewarding for me eh?
0: yeah for sure i think it's tough though right it's tough to make sometimes people expect a certain thing so you've got to, to change that culture you've got to give yourself you've got to lead which is also tough to <laughs> to be vulnerable and go for a paddle or do your own thing that makes you get centred again and get right. And I mean, what do you think was the toughest challenge in South Africa growing, doing a business? Was it the, the big corporates that are owning the space, essentially? Was it the bureaucracy of trying to get the business going? Was it the financing? Or was it the struggle of getting good people to join you from a good idea?
1: So... So, you know, you can't blame a country or, a, you know, everywhere is going to have different challenges. If we've got uh, um, certain rules and regulations, you know, um, in Europe, you've got, um, you've got GDPR, you've got PSD2, everywhere's got different kind of mechanisms to do that. So one can look for the excuse of it or, um, you know, write it and, and work out how are you going to solve those things. Um, I think there's definitely an opportunity to um, support entrepreneurs as we've heard many at times and how that is um, and you know how financially in terms of uh, you know tax and you know lot most businesses go out of business because of cash flow or you know having to pay high taxes when they're just trying to just tread water and get out there. So there's definitely ways and initiatives in terms of doing that. So. Uh, The cool thing is about entrepreneurs is we create jobs and we, you know, one for many. So if you do, you know, you focus on a 100, you get 10,000 jobs. So there's smart ways of doing this and definitely strategies which we haven't seen or been implemented as such. You know, um, there's pockets of excellence, but there could be a lot more of it. And it's not complicated.
0: Yeah, I think when the president was saying creating a million jobs, I was almost like well why don't we flip that a little bit because companies create jobs why, why aren't we trying to create you know a hundred thousand or a million entrepreneurs because they're the ones who are going to create the jobs really um and i think what we're seeing is businesses are under pressure because of technology because of disruption we're seeing retrenchments across the board um so to put that onto companies or the public sector is not really realistic either uh, yeah.
1: This is a big incumbents because you know they're battling to 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 move and just reinvent themselves so now you know you, you can't ask them to you know yeah, they're, they're, they're smart ways of doing it totally
0: so i mean look obviously you've been in the industry the the media industry for a while as well and you can see you're a seasoned sort of pro you're articulate you know um you're confident but I also saw that you also invested quite a lot in yourself as well. So you've invested in terms of education and, um, you know, making yourself relevant. Like you've mentioned that course with um, Clayton Christensen, you know, you're, you're reinvesting in yourself. How important is that for entrepreneurs to, or business people, to be investing in themselves and to, and, and to maybe running somebody else's business before they start looking at their own?
1: So I think that is critical. It's probably, num- that I would say, is number one. Um, you know how you're learning and where you get information. It's not only your own lessons; it's other people's and watching around um, to learn to learn to move forward. Um, and and I think going deep and asking asking smart questions. You know, what am I doing and why am I doing this and what does it mean? And um, you know, if if, you, if one can't, it's, it's almost a body without a soul in a sense. You need to be a full person. And and it was one of the insights that I had is what is a full man? So you know, when I'm at work and I'm a leader or I'm trying to drive innovation. Um, when I come home, who am I and what is that? How is there a thread between that and as a, as a husband and a father? And what does that look like? And how am I learning and leading or, you know, teaching or being at the bottom of my game in something else that I'm learning from others? So it, it's definitely the, one of the most important things. Um, and when times are tough, those when you dig deep into those, um, those components and, uh, and start pulling on those resources, you know, so yeah, 100%.
0: So, I mean, you, it's interesting you brought it up, but it's about not just being somebody at work, a CEO. Um, it, it's about how do you transform that to being that same person. We can't exactly be the same person, <laughs> but how, yeah. do you, how do you try and create that environment at home as well? Um, and I think for me, I almost woke up a little bit late to realize the importance of family, friends, um, instead of just working hard and all the time. Um, but also growing that and focusing on that other side, because if that side's not good, if it's wrong, then it's going to put a lot of pressure on you during the workday.
1: Totally, and, and I'm, I'm absolutely blessed that at a young age I've, I've come to learn that. Um, to you know, from people asking me these questions, which is for someone to I had to be vulnerable for someone to ask such questions. So, um, like the one of those is, what is it all for? Um, what are we doing this for? Um, and the other one is how much is enough? If you can't define enough. Then what are you act, What, what are you actually trying to what's, what's going in the bucket or not? And when it's full, then, you know, how are you going to give to others? So do you have to have a full bucket to give to others? So you know, these, these are the things that one has to understand and vacillates around, um, which is really, really important. And another thing is that when you've crossed a finish line or a first or a second, um, when you look left or right who 's with you? Is it your family? Is it your your, your spouse or um, or you know is it no one? Is it on your own that you went steaming out as a bull and you, you created recklessness all the way to the end and you 're on your own and is that the reward you want, or is that what you, where you want to see so um, I, I think that 's a lot of where that comes to play, which is really important, and especially for myself.
0: For sure. Yeah, I think um, it's no point in doing it on your own, right? Um, so I do a number of events and I know my wife's there for me. <laughs> yeah. I think I drag her along as well, but um, she's there for me. But I mean, it goes into another interesting point that you mentioned, which is that giving back. And you, you're not just running an organization for profit. You obviously have something on the side that you founded called Tech Relief, which is really noble and honorable. And it's so funny because I speak to so many people in the tech space who talk around programs of giving back technology, but I think you've got a you've got an actual organisation that's been set up that takes. So I mean, maybe you should talk around that.
1: Yeah, so, so I think the most the, the important thing there is is the root of that, and it's one of my purposes is that you know bridging. So it's bridging the gap between the have and have not and through technology. So whether it be education, water, sanitation, connectivity, and how do we. You know, we we we've been we've been blessed to do what we do, but how do we use those skills in order to balance the scales and and, and work across the globe for that? And, and that was important for me. And you know, I didn't have the solution at hand. It was just something that was put in put out there as to what that is. Um, and interestingly enough, then uh, my my nanny said she needs a laptop for her child in Malawi to study because if she doesn't have one, she can't go to school. So you know, went to the cupboard, found iPads, laptops, and thought, well, if I've got this, imagine how many other people do. Not to re- not to even realize at that stage that how many corporations have laptops or, or devices they're flashing because they're obsolete. Um, so we then set up a tech relief as an NPO that's redistributing re- devices um, to be deployed in up for children's education and uh, you know it, it needs more attention and focus and we need partners and we're looking for that now and uh, to take that to the next level because the platform set up it just needs now to take to market. Um, And there's massive opportunity in that in creating a um, education platform and a sandbox where we'll educate and teach um, developers and engineers to code. They will code um, educational programs and applications, which children can then download. So, you know, to learn, to learn, to be learned, to be taught. So um, yeah, really exciting. And that's one of my personal pieces I want to put and and drive next year as well. For sure. So, I mean, I mean, we talk about this
0: purpose, right. And um, for, for us, it took us quite a while to land on our purpose. You've been going for a very short time. What, what was the process you went around to, to find your purpose? And, and has it helped, do you think? I mean, is it something that people need to focus on themselves and practically? Because I think you need to invest time in this thing. It's not like it just comes to you, right? You don't wake up three o'clock in the morning with it.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and, it, and, it, and it's hard work. I mean, that's, that, and, and it's not always 100% correct and it might change as well at times. So, um, and, and also at the right stage of a person's life because we got, we're dealing with certain things at different times and uh, you know, it's not always the right time and we're learning lessons we have to learn. So, but again, it's asking the small questions you know, like what are you actually yet to do and give and what is that talent that you have and how are you going to, to harness that and spread it um, and what makes you one happy. Um, and how are you doing happy? Are you moving faster, uh, going slowly, but moving faster in a sense as well? Um, so, yeah, and, and, and what, you know, it goes back to just looking at the end of your life. What are you going to look back on, have regrets or not? And it's those smart questions one has to ask and say, well, you know, what did you do? What didn't you do? How did you get there? So looking forward, I suppose the, the, re, the visionary wide mindset that I have, is probably why a lot of that and then bring it back to today
0: so yeah for sure i think clayton really helps with that right and um i read something about simon sinek as well asking about your purpose your why as well and he said go and phone a friend that you'd asked to pick up at three o'clock in the morning um why they're friends with you and then ask them again but why and, and five times and you'll find out sort of what your purpose is based on why your friend actually likes you but another thing was you know, I've got a 17 year old son, and he was hes quite a bright guy, and so he's got a lot of opportunities ahead of him. And so, for me, it was also trying to work out for him where he could study. So, I also challenged him as well. I said, if you were going if, to, if something happened to you and you knew you were going to die, and you, ha- and you could talk for 15 minutes about something that was really passionate to you, what would you talk around? And he said, about helping people. So, that, was, that almost helped him to navigate. His, what he's studying now and where he's going in his life um, to find his own personal purpose.
1: Amazing, amazing and I don't uh, yeah so you know it's, it's amazing that uh, at, at such a young age that we can give these skills and tools to our kids because sometimes we didn't have all of those you know we lived in a different time and uh, it was uh, more like a, a book of you know go step two, three, four, five and it's a bit looser now and uh, a bit flexible and you know, when I, when I started my career, I, I sat with a very successful businessman at that stage uh, um, who's since passed on, but I said, you know, I want to do business on her own business. He's like, well, that's great, but what are you good at? So I was like, I'm creative, uh, you know, graphic design, web design. He's like, do what you're good at and then the journey of life and follow it and it'll go. And it was spot on, um, you know, it went to this course and it came back to business naturally. So. So, I mean, talking about the future now, you've, you've set up
0: offices in Cape Town, so well done. We can meet more often for coffee. Um, but maybe in Cape <laughs> coffee in Cape Town, can't beat it. Um, must be the best place in the world, by the way. Um, most beautiful. But you're also going to, you've always set, set up offices in London. And I think that, um, you know, there's a number of tech organizations who are also looking at the UK or Europe or have already gone there. What's the, what's the motivation? Obviously, you've got the pounds and all that sort of stuff, but I mean, what, what's, what, what's the motivation there? Is it to change the business model? Is it to scale?
1: I, I think, you know, we, we come. one of our values is from Africa to the world and back again, and I think um, so, so often we don't celebrate who we are as South Africans and Africans, and we have this amazing energy of recreating and producing and building something out of nothing, um, without the bureaucracy and the rules, and people say no, and we say that's thank you very much, and we'll do that. You know, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> an example of that is you know, in this tech relief NGOs, someone said, well, you can't connect a user to a child because of child trafficking. So I said, that is so true, and you are so right. But now I'm going <laughs> to, create- so now I'm going to create a blockchain. We are. This tool to prevent child trafficking through a distributed and a non-distributed network where we can set this up and actually we'll build that in as a solution. Um, it's that mindset, you know, not just the talk closes and we walk, you know, we, we look at what's the next, what's the next. So there's definitely an energy and an innovation and a mindset that uh that's, it's a gift to share to everyone else in other continents, which which I'm excited to look at and then move forward into.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that I've also realized is that South Africans generally are really great entrepreneurs and business people internationally. And I think the biggest pity for me was that so many young people go overseas, you did it, I've done it, worked overseas, but some stay there. And, and for me, it's for how do we create organizations that are based in South Africa, are from South Africa, that organizations that move overseas, those people don't necessarily have to work for other organizations overseas. Um, for, for me, that seems like a big, big opportunity.
1: And, and then just the support around those amazing South Africans, because there are a lot of, um, you know, the states, and uh, there, there's a lot of support, um, but not the success is great, but there, there's pockets of excellence that is not looked at. And uh, yeah, hopefully in the future, those will come to to market and to fruition.
0: For sure. So I heard, I heard you were on a podcast and um, you spoke up presenting to one of the big companies I think it was Standard Bank, and there was like 14 execs in the room and you didn't have any PowerPoint presentations. So from an agency person and, you know, y- y- um, you got Canva and all these other technologies about how to do PowerPoint presentations. It's so funny because I also don't do the same thing. So I also, whenever I go and speak to customers, I will just go and speak to them. I don't take presentations with me.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah. And, and I think
0: you've alluded to it. You, you said how important questions are.
1: I've never, in the in the existence of this business, I've once had a PowerPoint or presented off uh, off a laptop. Um, you know, my my thinking there is, yeah, you can pay people to do these great things, and they can be fluff and fancy, but you know, the, the words and the deepness and the actual credibility and delivery is what what counts. And uh, um, I think it's so often people are working with brands and businesses and not individuals, um, and that time's changing and it's important. And I think that's that's what excites us and that's probably why and how that comes to be and what's interesting is I'm also a technologist but anti-technologist at the same time because you you know we need to control the technology instead of it us um, so you know it goes back to like the principles of my life and how I do it you know when I get home I put my phone in the drawer and I put it on airplane mode because if I'm focused at work and I'm giving us time and I'm home I'm focused on home and you know my, my two-year-old has been waiting the whole day for me to come home, which is probably a lifetime for us. So when I arrive home, I mean, to to have a child look at a father on the phone talking and this and shh, keep quiet and busy, um, that's not mindful. So you know, it's very, it's it's a very just a disciplined thing that I've started to do and incorporate, and it, it's amazing and it actually decompresses again one's one's one being.
0: So I mean, I mean, you talk about a couple of things there, but I mean, the one thing is discipline. How important is that to? to have that consistency and discipline, I suppose. Is that one of the the principles for success?
1: Yeah, and and I think, you know, you have to one has to break it down and, and create the habits and, and then, you know, once the habits in, you look at another habit and another habit. So um, you know, example was, you know, I needed some just time out head time. So it was just meditating and I just did half an hour every day um, on an application on an app on the phone and then came the end of the year Um, Since July, I realized I did 8,000, 8,500 hours of meditation, but I didn't realize how much it was. Um, But the key insight there was not the meditation. It was if you did half an hour, something for half an hour every day, the stack up of that over over a couple of months is a lot of time. So what are we doing for half an hour every day?
0: Yeah, I think those phones have been programmed. We know it. So so that social, that Netflix program. is about how some of those organizations are really dialed into how do they get us to be addicted to, to those applications. And so it's about knowing what you want to do, knowing your purpose, and then driving that out.
1: Totally. And, and and that's exactly it. I think this is the world we live in now. So um, do you know who Netflix's biggest competitor is?
0: biggest <laughs> competitor is. Uh, So someone who takes your time, I suppose. Um, <laughs> the TV now won't be there.
1: Uh, Facebook. So close, and it, it, they sit in the same line. But Facebook's, I mean, Netflix's biggest competitor is sleep. sleep. They come, <laughs> yeah, okay. They want to go to bed, but they said, So, you know, there's another example of out of the box thinking and not just, you know, it's even people said, who's your biggest competitor? I'm looking at unlocking opportunities and uh, and adding value and to my customers. That's my focus. I, I'm not looking on the side of what, like, what people are doing in that space. So, um, it's, it's that kind of thinking and thought mentality that, that shifts and drives the change. For sure. So,
0: I mean, going back to our first point, right at the beginning, which was adding value to the customers. And that's what sort of one of your key principles is. And I sort of believe it as well, because I think in this industry, one of the things you learn is, did you create impact? And so you could say, yeah, we did all these things, but the customer says, well, actually, we didn't measure that or that's not important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we also realized was asking questions was so important. And maybe that's why we don't use the PowerPoint presentations because we're doing all the talking Yeah. and we're not asking questions.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting as well. And I, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's not perfect. You, you, you don't always have the perfect customer and there's so many reasons there could be synergy, chemistry, misalignment on vision or they're right vision, but just misaligned. Um, and when, when it comes into play, where it's perfect, it's actually it's, it's amazing, and that that's so cool to experience. But um, yeah, I, I think it's being open and honest, and asking and honest, asking and, and and solving those questions collectively and together. Um, and you know, and, and another thing is, you know, when when one looks at where an interesting insight, instead of understanding and researching where your cust- where your competitors are, when you lose a customer, you look at where they're going and who they're going to and why they're going there. And then sitting down and going through that tough question and then looking, okay, we understand now why and what we need to do, not, to, not, not because we did it wrong, but how it changed to, to disrupt and re-innovate and re, um, re-energize one's business and self.
0: For sure. So, I mean, going back to the UK story now, I think there's a lot of organizations who are seeing some challenges in Africa, or maybe they're, you know, my brother moved to the UK about a year and a half ago. So I know there's a number of people who see the, the opportunities, what have, you, what have you found as the, the challenges of, of going there? What, what are you seen as the biggest things that you've had to overcome or shift?
1: So, so what's interesting is in, in our focus currently in the FinTech and financial solutions space, um, they leaps and bounds ahead of, of other countries, um, which, which is quite exciting to see. Um, which then coming back to Africa, our banks are actually our fintechs. Um, it's just the, how they innovate and move forward because we haven't had the entrance into, the mega entrance into into the Africa's fintech. so there's exciting things and spaces to happen. Um, I, I think in the UK, it's, it's just adapting the innovative change mindset um, and how do you disrupt within a very structured, organized um, playing field and, and become innovative. Um, which, and also, you know, it's, it's, it's innovation because five people sat around a room and had a good idea. Um, whereas we innovate because someone is starving, hungry, or doesn't, <laughs> The lights have. are off. Yeah, exactly. So, so like you <laughs> have a solution and if you don't, then you, don't, you, you can't not Failure's not an option. Um, so, you know, we can sit around a table and think of great ideas, but they pine in the sky because are they actually solving the customer pain point or jobs to be done? You know, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a different mindset, but again, it's an opportunity because we have so much to share and to, to learn and gain. I think
0: one of the things that we found, we took some products there that, and I think what we found two real big insights for us was that number one, not everything we do in South Africa works in the UK, it's a different market. And yeah. generally they're ahead of us. Yeah. So we weren't open enough in our mindset to realize that we were seeing the future. Um, sure. and so we didn't change with that future. But I also think when you do go there, when you do go overseas, generally, you can bring back, it's almost like cheating. You totally. can go and look into the future and bring things back to South Africa. So the worst thing you're going to learn is you're going to see the future for South Africa. So it's going to put you <laughs> ahead of the curve, essentially.
1: I'm probably around about a four year ahead in, in, in some cases, eight, four years ahead of, yeah, I would estimate.
0: For sure. And I mean, what, what you, what's your sense for Africa? For, after Africa Tech Week, um, you know, w- w- what are you seeing as the big opportunities for Africa?
1: So it's, it's massive. It's a, it's, it's a high energy entrepreneurial space. Um, it's a cash in hand continent. There's a lot of cash that gets transferred in between people. There's great heritage in terms of culture and how cultures work and live. Um, business businesses have to learn cultures to understand where opportunities are. Um, you know, you can't go into certain regions and come up with, uh, with solutions that uh, aren't around um, how how cultures and how moms and dads and kids are. You know, you can try to solve the problem, but if you solving an educational problem, people actually need food, you, you're not going to solve that problem. So. Um, it's, it's really intricate, but uh, th- there's great, great reward and excitement around that. And, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Um, another business I have is um, Style ID, which is a content uh, influencer marketing platform for fashion. So it's how do we have African fashion for Africa and the rest of the world again. So, you know, we don't just look at uh, American and that's cool fashion. We copy it. We have our own unique um, um, fashion for Africa, you know, to Africa, um, which wow. is so
0: I know that um, Theo Beloy from Batu, he's doing really well. He won an award with us last year. The, the guy, the shoe guy, I don't know if you know yes. Theo. Yes. Well, I mean, he's opened up like 15 stores after lockdown. It's crazy how he's grown. Uh, so that's, that must be a great business because it's becoming so, you can see it globally. Thank Africa's you. having an impact on the fashion world globally, right?
1: Okay, and it's just a game because it's so different and unique, um, and and it's something that can't be co- like you can't copy, but you, it just has a root of of, of creativity and, and energy.
0: So Wayne, well done for the, for this year, two nominations, one award, um, one award last year. Um, what what's next year got in store for
1: you? Sure. So, yeah, next year, looking at uh, new products and launching to the market. So we're bubbling and brewing with a couple of great ideas and uh, MPPs. It is bringing on great clients in terms of partnerships that we work with them. Um, And again, looking at our offices and the opportunities shared across offices that we're setting up. Uh, One of the ideas is, you know, not to have many, many people in one office is to have hubs of excellence around the world. Um, to share the the value, um, because yeah, too big too too structured, too slow is, is just not something that 's going to move forward in, into the future yeah,
0: and I know that you do a lot of stuff with like you know, minimum viable products and stuff, and obviously partnerships is really big for you as it is with us as well so you know, i don 't want to go into everything because I definitely want to get you on the show again next year. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, for, for us, I think, you know, uh, it's like a team, you know, having partnerships is, is taking things outside of your organization and how do you partner up and create a culture that grows the organization?
1: So agreed. to yeah. get
0: 100%. Have a lovely festive time with your two children and your wife and, um, you know, best of luck for 2021. Hopefully all your plans uh, <laughs> get realized.
1: Amazing, thank you, Ralph, and uh, thanks for your time on the show and having me on the show. And uh, good luck with the surfing with your son.
0: Yeah, I'll be up and down the coast. I'm sure you'll see me
1: in an old beach buggy with a with a surfboard uh, on. The-
0: I don't know about that. I've got a, I've got an old <laughs> Mustang. I've got a, a 1966 Mustang, but it normally stays at the office because um, the price of petrol is expensive now. You know, yeah,
1: especially with a gallon tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, for sure. Lovely. We'll see you next year. Thank you very much, Ralph. Thank you and lovely chatting.